Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning we will continue our trek through Romans. I think if I live long enough to finish this series in Romans, I'll be an even older man, much older. But we're not in a hurry. God is speaking some truth to us, and we want to absorb it. We're going to begin our reading again in Romans chapter 1. We'll begin at verse 18 today. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Amazing that today is 9-11, and we're preaching a sermon entitled, Why We Need Salvation. It's amazing that 9-11 could occur. Loretta and I watched some of the news this morning early and saw some of the scenes. I remember, like you probably do, exactly where I was when I heard the news. But it's amazing that we could come away from that thinking what we need is better defense systems, more diplomacy, whatever, better relations with foreign countries, I never heard a public official say anything about what we need is a Savior. And what we need is salvation. This is, this, this is not, a, not an economic issue. It, it's it's, it's a, a whole different thing. But let's take a look this morning at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It will tell us exactly why 9-11 occurred. Exactly. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. It says, because that which is known about God is evident within them. It's not as concerned about what we can't know about God, but what we can know about God. What we can know about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. I'm going to pause right there before somebody dislocates the shoulder. I told the guys, please just wave those sermon handouts if I forget to say, do you have a sermon handout? So let's just stop. Uh, if you don't have a sermon handout, if you'll hold your hand up, someone will bring you one right now. They're, they're going to get them to you. Sorry about that. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, what in particular? Well, his eternal power and divine nature, those are two things we will focus upon today, have been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made, so that they are 
without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks because they became futile, worthless in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. No condemnation for what they didn't know again. It's what they did know, and God knows what people know about him. He knows what people know about him that live here in America. He knows what people know about him that live on Sentinel Island south of uh, India where they still don't wear clothes and they still kill everybody who tries to step on the island. Uh, He knows what all of us know about him, and for what we know about him, he holds us accountable. Professing to be wise, he said they became fools, verse 22, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God, a God that doesn't decay, a God that is eternal. They changed the glory of that God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Again, notice the first idol we made was ourselves. And of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures, therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason. For what reason? Well, their worship was found wanting. Sorry, worship. Not giving God His due. Bringing God something less than of that which He is worthy. That was the problem. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Verse 27, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. We may not get there today, but just remember, God doesn't have to do anything to us to really goof up our life. All he has to do is give us over. Just turn us loose. There are people today, right now, that are not sitting in this building. They're either sitting in jail or their bodies in a cemetery because they finally were able to gain the freedom they so earnestly desired. And it cost them everything. Just turn us loose, God. He said, I did. To a depraved mind, to do those things which are not proper being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents and without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, 
And although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Last week we took a look, and on the back of your handout is the sermon outline. We took a look at the very first point in this text, the rebellion that we have demonstrated, and we talked about two things last week. We rebelled against God in that we did not give Him the glory nor the gratitude that He deserves. Today we want to take a look at the revelation of God that we have disregarded. The revelation of God we've disregarded. Let's go back and focus for a moment on verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made. The things that He made demonstrates His nature. Creation was created in a way that demonstrates to us what God is like. Those invisible attributes of Him are seen in His created order, being understood through that which was made or what has been made so that they are without excuse. All we love to say, there's so much about God we just don't know. As a matter of fact, if you think about it for a moment, we as human beings tend to love uncertainty. There's a certain comfort about, well, just not knowing. It's so cool to be able to look at the state trooper and say, I, I, I didn't know that it dropped down to 35 here. That's why I was still running 85. Just didn't know, didn't see the sign. Maybe kudzu covered it. If that ever works, let us know. I doubt it will. But we love uncertainty. We love saying things like, well, you know, we don't know if so-and-so went to heaven or hell. I mean, he didn't ever confess Christ as his Savior. He never cared about church. He never cared about God. He even verbalized several times that he hated God, hated church, hated preachers, hated the whole business. But who knows, he might be in heaven. We're holding on to uncertainty because you're right, it's possible. Maybe in the last few breaths of his life something happened. We don't know, but we will always seem to tilt toward uncertainty because certainty leaves us responsible for certain things. And, and certainty causes us a lot of trouble. And I, I, I'll just tell you, uh, it should trouble our heart because if you go back and look at the time when God flooded the earth and he destroyed evil and wickedness from one end to the other. There were no preachers. There were no seminaries. There was no Bible. There were no prophets. There were no teachers. There were no street preachers. There wasn't anything like Christian literature. There was none of that. And yet God held those people to the account, to the point that because of their wickedness, he destroyed every one of them. We don't like certainty, but God says there are some things that are certain, and there are things that you can say you don't know about me, but he says there are certain things that you certainly can know about him. He starts out with the general. He says there is invisible attributes, 
And then he makes them particular with two things. He says, my eternal power and my divine nature. First of all, let's take a look at his eternal power. I am fascinated with science. I love studying about it. I love studying about the universe. I am more amazed the longer I live because the longer I live, the more we learn about the world. You just think about it. A hundred years ago, it was hard to find a scientist that didn't believe that the earth and the universe was eternal. A hundred years ago. Now, they can flap their jaw all they like about, well, some of them Christians, they're flat earthers. I'm not a flat earther. I'm not a science denier. But I can tell you scientists themselves, you would be hard-pressed to find one a hundred years ago that didn't believe that the universe has been here forever. But within the last hundred years, they've discovered something. I guess it just kind of clicked in somebody's mind that if it has been here forever, and you know when I walk over here, we're about to get into something. If it has been here forever, that means eternity is going that way forever and ever and ever. And when we live eternally with God, we will never come to the end of that. But if it's always been here and the universe is eternal, that means that direction's eternal too. And we would have never made it to this time in which you and I live had the universe been eternal. Now, does that make sense to you? It did to two of you. Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of simple in a way, but you, you can't have eternity and just say it goes that way. You would have never arrived, and just think about it, had you gone all the way back in time that cannot be measured forever and ever in that direction and started toward this day, September 11th, uh, 2022, you'd have never gotten here. So they said, well, then the universe can't be eternal. And then we found out that the universe is expanded. It's almost like just putting dots on a balloon. As you blow it up, those dots begin to spread out further and further. And we know that the universe is expanding. So at one time it had a, a different shape to it and it had some kind of starting point. And boy, that really gave us some fits. Because who started it? And where did the stuff come from that, that, that did the, the, the start? I mean, how, where did all of those things come from? And, it, and, and I know we sometimes call it the Big Bang or whatever. I hope you understand that whether you believe in the Big Bang or not, that has really nothing to do with evolution. One of the things that made scientists begin to doubt evolution and some of its ideas was the fact that our universe is expanding, that it begins to keep going out. And the, the, the stronger the telescopes we have, we can actually look back into the past and see where things were many years ago because we can see so far into space now. Because thanks to that uh, Jewish guy that never combed his hair, we have the theory of relativity. Well, let's just simplify it. I'll have to keep it that way because I'm simple. Our universe is made of time, space, and matter. Now, those are the three major things our universe is made of. There's a lot of things here 
But we know we have time, and we know we have space, and we have matter. We have things like this. So whatever or whoever created the universe has to be outside of time and outside of the bounds of space and outside of the confines of time. Okay? Or, or matter, or, or non-material. He has to be a spiritual being. And we, we know that, well, whatever did it is an intelligent being because we see design in all of it. But God is not confined to matter. He is not confined to time, and he's not confined to space. There's no way time and space and matter could have ever created themselves. They had to come from somewhere. And so then the question arises, well then, if God is the one that did this and nothing can come from, uh, there's nothing in the universe that can come from nothing, so God had to make it, the question then arises, well then, who made God? And you might go, well, I'm not an atheist and I don't believe in God. Well, call it something else. Call it uh, force field X, okay? Force field X made it. Well, who made force field X? Well, th there was something before that. Well, then that would be God. And then you'd go, well, yeah, but who made the something that made the something that made force field X? Well, well, then that would be God. And that's called an infinite regress because you could be here till 6 o'clock tonight and I could still be doing that. You never get back to a solution. And this is the tough part, especially for scientists. God is a being that needed no creator. He is a self-sufficient, eternal being. And you can say, well, I just don't believe that. You really only have two choices. You really only have two. You can either say somebody made everything out of nothing, or you can say nobody made everything out of nothing. So which one would it be? Which one would take more faith to believe in? Somebody or, or nobody? And, and it, 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 I know Darwin came along and 1859 with his book and by the way let me give you the whole title to it i hate seeing this book lie around or advertised and the title's been shortened i hope you know that oh the full title of the book is on the origin of species don't stop there by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. That's the full title. Wonder why you rarely see that. Do you believe they're favored races? Do you believe that some races of people should rise up and, and help uh, ele ele evolution to accelerate and, 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 and to wipe out some of the unfavored races so that the more favored, more intelligent, more physically adept races, that they can succeed in the world? Adolf Hitler believed that with all of his heart. Do you understand that? Do you realize the ramifications of evolution? There's an old saying, bad ideas have or ideas have consequences, bad ideas have bad consequences. And that was a bad idea. That's why we leave most of the title off of the book nowadays. 
but it is the foundation for racism. It is the foundation for Margaret Sanger, who is a founder of Planned Parenthood, who said that some races of people are weeds and they need to be pulled from the garden. That would be why Sweden has, I believe it's Sweden or maybe Iceland, I can't remember now, but one of the European countries has already eliminated Down syndrome. They kill all of them before they're born. It's called weed pulling if you're a Darwinist. Man, I'm going to tell you something. God says, I created this world. And he says, if you hadn't become fools, you would have seen me in it. You would have seen my hands. You would have been able to have discerned my nature. And, and to just think about this. Now, after all of these years, boy, with all of the problems that even scientists have with it, as a matter of fact, Darwin himself said that you're probably going to discover things that may nullify a whole lot of things that I have said. Even he said that. In his day, he didn't have a microscope that could look into a cell. He had no idea what was inside a human cell when he wrote that entire book. It was something beyond his reach. I wore my arm today for a purpose. I'm been so hard on the part of it that the good Lord let me keep. I've not been able to wear the, the, the prosthetic arm, the powered one, very much. So it's taking me a while to get used to it. But I want to wear it today no matter how badly it hurt. Because I, I love you people and I don't mind hurting for you. If I told you, look at this thing. It'll do 20 different grips. It's got the choke the life out of them, dead throat grip. I've only used it a couple of times, but it works great. No, it's got, it's got all kinds. I, you can drive in New York with this, okay? I'll just leave that there. <laughs> It'll do it. What if I told you? That nobody made these things. They found them. They discovered them on the Galapagos Islands. We'll just keep it all in one place. They did. There was no designer that made that. See, there's no cables or anything going to my arm. It's picking up an electronic impulse from my brain that goes down here to a nerve. And when I tighten that nerve, it closes that hand. And when I tighten this nerve back here or tighten that muscle... It says, okay, I'm feeling an electrical impulse, so it'll open it back up. Pretty cool, isn't it? But what if somebody told you that, well, these things just happened. Back, oh, millions of years ago, there was a tree got hit with lightning. There was some sap ran down and made this piece here. And some of the ore in the ground, it melted in the wire. It created wires and and oh, all kinds of, we got fossils of this. We found them hidden in tar and stuff, you know. Nobody, nobody with two wits to clack together would ever believe that that was not made on purpose by a designer. But a lot of people who would not believe that 
believe that this one was. And I own both. Pray to God you never get to join that club, okay? <laughs> this one's way better. I, I am planning to play the piano again, but I'm having to relearn. I'm having to train this hand to do what this hand did. And so far, I'm up to brushing my teeth without putting my eye out, okay? In just two years. So I'm motoring on with it. You ought to see my writing. Oh, it's terrible. I got the dumbest left hand in the world. But how in the world could you possibly imagine this somehow or another just happened? But this had to be designed. Too much intricate detail went into this. Oh, I can tell you this is nothing. This is nothing. It does from right there out is $40,000. But man, I'd give way more than that for one like this one over here. Because God made this one. And people took stuff God made and made this one. But they both were designed. And there's little doubt about it. If you just look at our universe, I, I, just quickly, let's, let's take, take our time here for a second. First of all, if you just looked at our solar system. Now that's just where our Earth rotates around the sun we have the other planets okay so we'll start there that's really huge but just starting there now the earth itself is 25,000 miles in circumference it spins at a thousand miles an hour it moves through space at a thousand miles a minute and yet this water seems to be sitting here pretty cool not moving, shaking. We're moving, friend. We are some kind of on the move. Once you get past a million and a billion, I think our government is going to teach us what the others are. You get to a trillion and a quadrillion. You get to seven, that's a septillion. The earth weighs uh, six septillion, 588 sec trillion tons okay that's a pretty heavy gizmo and it just hangs in the air and it's so incredible when you look at our solar system our earth is pretty small and man there are asteroids and there are comets that constantly would absolutely devastate this planet but we got a big brother in the sky that happens to block most of them. As a matter of fact, if you look at the surface of this big brother, man, it is beat to death. His name is Jupiter. Jupiter. And you can put 1,300 Earths inside of Jupiter. That's how big it is. And asteroids are constantly frailing into the side of Jupiter that would make their way to Earth, but they just block all that out. You see how cool all of that's designing? We could get into all kinds of things about the earth and the tilt of its axis, but I want to move on out. Now, our solar system is in what we call a galaxy, and the name of our galaxy is what? 
the Milky Way. Well, the estimates are everywhere. Uh, the latest one that I could find was Jonathan Swift of Caltech Pasadena. In 2013, he made an estimate that there are 100 billion planets just in the Milky Way. He says, I believe there is a planet for every star. So he believes there's a, another 100 billion stars just in our Milky Way. That's one galaxy. And the estimates are somewhere around 100 billion galaxies that we know of. But they tell us as the telescopic technology increases that they're pretty sure before it's over we'll be able to see 200 billion galaxies. Now our Milky Way is tiny. Our Milky Way is, is, is really uh, pretty small. As a matter of fact, they estimate it takes about light about 100,000 years to go across our Milky Way. There's a Milky Way called M87. If you plan on going there, you should remember that name. They think it's 980,000 light years across it. Man, that's a lot bigger than us. So our little galaxy sits there and it's the Milky Way. And let, let me just tell you this, and, and I'll go to something else. But years ago, and I think we have the picture. I uh, forgot exactly when it was. It's not been ages, but several years ago, they took the Hubble telescope and they divided the, earth, the sky into 24 million sections. So that's a pretty small section of the sky. They focused the Hubble telescope on one twenty-four millionth of the sky, and they left it there a while. And this is the picture they came up with. All of those are galaxies. All of those are galaxies, and that is one twenty-four millionth of our sky. And only the Lord in heaven knows what's on beyond all of that. How big is, is a galaxy really in our, our mind? If, if you were in ours and you were going to go from one of our stars, because that's, that's what these are. These galaxies, these little blobs of light, those are stars and planets. How far apart are they, the ones that's making up these dots? Well, we know in our own galaxy that if you leave one star in our galaxy, and let's say you're traveling at the speed of the uh, space station. It moves uh, five miles a second. Pretty fast. So if you take the spa uh, yeah, space shuttle, I'm sorry. Space shuttle moves five miles a second. If you take the space shuttle at five miles a second when it's orbiting, and you had gotten on it when Jesus was born. And you were just going to go from one star in our Milky Way to the nearest star. You would be less than one hundredth of the way there now. See, we talk about we're going to explore space. 
Good Lord. We're still trying to get the gas tank to stop leaking on one rocket to get it to the blooming moon right now. I, I, I know a lot of that is craziness. But I want to tell you something. I think it's worth us looking at. Because God says this will show you what I'm like. How awesome. My eternal power. Nobody made me. God says my power didn't come from anywhere. It is eternal. It's always been here. God says I made everything out of nothing. Bahra, the Hebrew word for create is to make from nothing. And everywhere in Scripture in the Old Testament where the Hebrew word bara occurs, God is always the subject. There's a word for make. When God made man out of the dust of the earth, that's a different word. But when God created, he made it out of nothing. We have a Latin term for it called ex nihilo, out of nothing. God took nothing and nothing, and he made everything. He says, my power is eternal. Quit asking dumb questions about who made me. If that's an infinite regress, you'll finally have to conclude it was me. <laughs> Nobody made me. I've always been here. Eternal power. Secondly, his divine nature. It says in verse 25, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. What is God like? You can ask people that today. And a lot of times nowadays what you will hear is not so much what God is like but you'll hear what that person is like. Oh, I think God is, well, I think he's like this. And I don't believe God's got a problem with that. And i tell you, I'll I, I tell you how I feel about God. I know the Bible doesn't say this, but, and I know Preacher Mike doesn't agree with this, which that, that doesn't matter. Who cares what I think? Really, you shouldn't. But what does God's Word have to say? People go, well, I know it's kind of contrary to what we've always been taught, but I, I'll just tell you what I think God is like. You're describing you. That's how you feel. Because you have created God in your image. Let me give you, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, we won't, in fact, when we talk about God, C.S. Lewis said that we want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven, we really want a grandfather in heaven. A senile benevolence who, well, as they say, like to see young people enjoying themselves. And whose plan for the universe was simply that it might be truly said that at the end of the day, a good time was had by all. Doggone, that's how I want God to be. Man. Too bad. You can't make God like you. 
No matter what my opinion of God may be, no matter where I might think I would have done it differently, how arrogant of me to think that I have enough wisdom that I could hold God accountable for things that I do not understand. We have judged God and found Him guilty of everything that bothers us, of everything that doesn't make sense, because we feel like that's unfair, and that should not have happened. If it happened to that person, it should have happened to this person instead. And we feel like we got all of that going on in our mind, and our little arrogant self, we put God as a matter of fact C.S. Lewis has a book an entire book entitled God in the Dock you know what a dock is in English courts it's where the witness sits and we've put God in the dock we've got him on the witness stand and we're questioning him you swear God to tell the truth the whole truth nothing but the truth he said I already have We've got God in the dock. We're leaning in like a prosecutor. You need to explain some things, God, that don't make sense to me. Because if it doesn't make sense to me, it should. <laughs> Just imagine a God that can create all these things. I bet he's impressed with us. Oh, yeah, when we keep him up late at night asking him tough questions. My goodness. We want God to be a certain way. You know, there's a lot of people today who just say they don't believe in God. But I like, I read a lot of Frank Turek's stuff. He's got a great book out that was, I mean, it's been popular for decades now. But I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It's a great book. But if you ever watch him, when he's in a debate, and man, he will go into the lion's den, friend. Oh, he will go to big universities, and he'll let them ask him any question they want to ask. And when they start arguing with him about God, he will finally look at them and say, if what the Bible said about God, if it really were true, would you believe in Christianity? And most of the time, they say no. He said, that's taught me that it's not more information people are seeking. It's a willful decision. As a matter of fact, one atheist, oldest Huxley, I think, but I'm not sure. One atheist says, we don't believe in God because... It wasn't convenient for us. Matter of fact, Frank Turek, uh, he debated with uh, Chris, Christopher Hitchens several times. He said, if I wrote a book about the debates I had with Christopher Hitchens, now he's not an atheist anymore, did you know that? He died. So he's not. He knows now. But he said, if I wrote a book about my debates with Christopher Hitchens, he said, I would entitle them, There Is No God, and I Hate Him. There is no God, and I hate Him. Well, I think nowadays some of our idols are more emotional than I know in the Old Testament they had all kinds of different idols that they may create. 
There are places you can go to this day. Boy, if you want to see idols, go to India. They're everywhere. They have more idols than they do stop signs. And they pay a lot more attention to the idols than they do the stop signs. Okay, so just remember that if you go. We make a lot of emotional idols. There's just things that, even the issue of homosexuality, we won't get to it until next week. But I can just tell you, they're progressive Christians, we call them. We used to just call them liberal Christians. But progressive Christianity has decided that that's not really a sin. That person, I, well, I know them preachers. They were born with those tendencies. Let me ask you a question. I was born with tendencies too. You were too. Can I act on all the tendencies I, were bo I was born with? I don't think so. I'm married. And I may see a young, scantily clad lass walk by. I don't usually notice them, but one of you guys usually say something about it. And then I... I got tendencies, friend. I'm so, I, I, I tell you, it's, it's so tough nowadays. It just, and it, I laugh, but it's incredible. Everything has to be advertised by a model with a bikini. You don't use a Husqvarna chainsaw in a bikini. I never have. There's your visual. I'll get you bottle next week. <laughs> but that's how they advertise them. Oh, this weed eater is, oh, look at this. It's double switch. The strap oh, hugs me. They might not catch your eye with a weed eater, guys. They'll catch it with something else, and then they'll sell you a weed eater. We have lots of tendencies, males and females. We're not allowed to act on all of them. We were born with them. It's amazing what we have done. We're going to close. We've made this deadly con conflagration or conflation where we have mixed up creation with the Creator. And I'll close with a very powerful truth. You will worship one or the other. You will either worship the Creator or you will worship creation. But because of the way God created us, you will worship something. Some people just worship their stubbornness because they're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't worship anything. I, it, it is so amazing when you begin to really think logically about God. I've wanted to ask the agnostic. The agnostic says that there's nothing we can know about God for sure. I want to ask them, well, then how did you know that? Oh, well, that's the only thing. It's just like the scientific method. They tell us there is nothing that 
can truly exist, there's nothing that can actually be real unless you can sense it with either touch, taste, smell, seeing, or hearing. One of your five senses. My question is, well, which one of your five senses did you use to come up with that? And does that mean what you just said is not real? Some people say there's no such thing as absolute truth. I want to go, well, is that statement you just made absolute or not? If it's not, I can just ignore it. I grew up in an age, I'm so old, we used to have t-shirts that said, doubt everything. We were too dumb to think, well, should I doubt that t-shirt? Do you see the kind of logical quagmire God has put us in? You truly to say there is no God. I believe we've settled it today. You have to be a fool. You have to be a fool. No way around it. I'm going to pray for us today. I, I hope that we as a nation finally somehow, way, figure out what's wrong. Our problem is sin. Our problem is depravity. Human beings were created to worship God. And if you are not worshiping God, you're going to worship something. And when you look at our world today and our politicians, I understand they're not preachers. I got all of that. But there was a time in our country where they didn't try to preach. But they said, unless, our forefather said this, unless we have some code, objective code, a standard outside of us, not a subjective, but an objective code of right and wrong, we will fail as a nation. You can't give people this much freedom unless there's some things that we know inherently, we know from God Himself that this is right and this is wrong. And guess what they went by? The Ten Commandments. And you should read some of the things our forefathers said. They understood that. You can't give people that kind of freedom. People talk about it in the United States, while well, we've got more people incarcerated than any industrialized nation in the world. Like, that's a bad thing. I don't think we have nearly enough incarcerated. And I'm not wishing that on anybody, but when you give people the kind of freedoms and opportunities that America allows you to have, if you don't care about God, and you just decide to do things on your own, it's a wonder half of us aren't in jail. Oh, we're trying social experiments right now. I wonder how many more innocent people are going to have to die before we quit throwing money and stupid ideas at things that only God can solve. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the way you have revealed yourself to us and you tell us, God, that to whom much is given, much is required. Lord, there were generations before us that never got to see some of the things that we see. They never, they never got to know the intricacies of DNA, God. 
but we have. And Lord, we can see Your fingerprints all over the place, God. And yet sometimes people deny You. Lord, I pray that You'll help us as Christians to learn how to stand up and defend our faith. To be willing, God, to hear things maybe that we've never heard before, but to be okay with it, to want to learn them so that we can stand and give a defense for the hope that's within us. As you tell us, Lord, in the book of Peter, help us now, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at ServantsWay.com or email us at office at ServantsWay.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.